Well, good afternoon, friends. I hope everybody is doing well today on this um, um, nice, beautiful um, Monday. It's, uh, it's been kind of a, a um, well, this morning, I mean, right now it's really nice, but uh, this morning it was kind of a um, um, bit of cloudy, a bit cool, a bit cold, but um, still so good. So I am getting ready to jump in here to our conversation today, but I am also realizing that I needed to. Uh, oh, there you go. That's good. Anyway, um, I think we're still, yep, there we go. <laughs> All right, now I'm focused. Man, this is what happens when you try to multitask and have a lot on your mind and trying to get things done. and. And, uh, you know, maybe a good lesson for today is just to slow down, take deep breaths and, and uh, be present in the moment. So anyway, uh, this is our podcast. Welcome. Um, we are experimenting with this, or I'm experimenting with this, um, taking basically the sermon from yesterday and, and giving it out in a more conversational style. Um, so hopefully this will be something, a conversation that you'll enjoy. And I would love to hear your comments, thoughts and uh, anything that you have that you'd like to um, contribute to this conversation, okay? So we're going to jump in. Uh, yesterday, the lectionary text was a great text. I love this text, John 20, 19 through 31. seems like a, a great theme for this season, it's talking about breathing and how we are all in need of breath and how um, God breathes in on us, giving us life. And it's also a wonderful text because there's so much uncertainty in our world. We feel like we're locked down or locked in and things are kind of opening up, but they're not really. And so we don't really know what's going to happen or what's going to go on next. But anyway, beautiful text. John 20, 19 through 31. Um, I'll jump in. This is from the lectionary. I, I usually preach on the lectionary. So here you go. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear, of the Jews that were chasing after them. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Jesus answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Well, a few summers ago, um, our family went on a vacation to the beach, 
our good friends um, had hooked us up with a, a relative of theirs who had a condo near the beach in Florida. Good friends to have, right? It was a great family trip. Um, one day while we were there, we decided to go to a state park that was nearby and go snorkeling. Now, it was a lot of fun. And there was this huge lagoon that had all sorts of rocks circling around it. They could go in and out and it wasn't very deep there, but you could still see under the rocks for all the, the life and the fish. Um, it was just fun to explore going around that circle. Now, one thing, if you know me, I love to run. I love to rock climb. I love to boulder. I love to fly fish, although I haven't done that as much in the last several years. And I love to camp and hike. I'm pretty adventurous. Not a whole lot that I'm, I'm afraid not to do. But one thing I don't do very well is swim. I am a horrible swimmer. When I was a kid, I took Red Cross lessons and learned just enough to fake it. Somehow I passed the class, um, but didn't learn a thing. And uh, it wasn't until I was in my 20s, my good friend Jay Bork, and we were going on a, a, a trip to the beach. And on the way down, he was one of the few people that knew my secret that I didn't know how to swim very well. And he said, this week, we're going to get up early. We're going to go out to the beach. We're going to get in the ocean. And I'm going to teach you how to swim. And he did. Um, I learned just enough to tread water uh, for the most part. Anyway, uh, it's safe to say you won't see me in as, as many marathons I love to run and, and the miles that I run. You won't see me competing in a triathlon anytime soon. Um, I'm afraid I would sink uh, to the bottom pretty quickly in the swimming part. Anyway, back to the family vacation. That day, I was feeling pretty confident in my swimming. Um, and uh, we were getting kind of late in the day, and I realized that my family was on the other side of the lagoon, and I had to get back to them because, you know, we were um, wanting to go and do some other things. And so I thought, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I got the snorkel. I got the mask. What could go wrong? I'm just going to swim across the lagoon, across the middle of it, and uh, and get over. And it didn't seem like it was very, you know, when I started out, it's not going to take me very long. But about halfway through, I realized, man, I'm at the point of no turning back, and I panicked. And it was really deep. I was like, I have nowhere to go. Um, I don't have a life jacket. There are no lifeguards. Um, I can't even stop to, to, to yell out because um, I'm afraid if I stop, I'll sink. And uh, so I just kept swimming, kept paddling, which is another good metaphor for the <laughs> whatever we're going through these days. Keep paddling. Um, so I did. I eventually made it to the other side. I didn't drown. But I was so scared in that moment. I panicked. I couldn't breathe. I felt locked in in the middle of that lake and like, what am I, or lagoon, what am I going to do? I didn't have a place. I didn't know where to go. Um, but I did. I just kept going. Now, during this season of, of pandemic, maybe we have felt like that, like, like we have been swimming and, and we're just tired. And we, we, we feel like we want to stop, but we can't as we're afraid we'll drown, or maybe we feel locked into the moment or, or literally locked in indoors in quarantine. We need time to breathe, but feel like we just simply can't escape. It seems like oxygen or breathing has been a theme this year for our culture. COVID affects our breathing. We know that when, when it gets to our lungs and what it does, um, it, 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 it can affect it and it goes to wherever we're weakest, but it also, I mean, essentially, um, people, when they're struggling with it, they, they talk about like they're gasping for air. And then this week, um, watching the trial of Derek Chauvin and, and the uh, murder of George Floyd, 
and that sense of not being able to breathe, George Floyd and his, I mean, again, just the, the, the trauma of that, I can't imagine, like gasping for air. Sometimes even when we look at the larger political season that we find ourselves in, it seems like some of our political leaders have been more interested in their own interests um, and disinformation and and they seem lost and leading us absolutely nowhere. And we've wondered, where are we going to go? How are we going to, you know, we seem kind of locked into something that we don't want to be a part of. Also, in this season, we see our Asian brothers and sisters struggling. You know, that they're in that place of, of wanting to be able to breathe freely, but yet still feeling so much oppression. And then, of course, with um, all the stuff that's going on with um, Black Lives Matter, again, being reminded of, of brothers and sisters who are struggling and wanting to, to, to breathe and have freedom and to be um, fully alive. So, and then we have our own lives, stuff that's going on within us, with our families and friends, um, maybe at work. Um, and then on top of all that, all the cultural stuff, and maybe we seem like we're filled with doubt, struggle, confusion. Friends, these times and the, what we experience in our bodies and how we approach this moment, how we approach things that are going on within us, these are indicators of grief, of lament, of trauma. But they're also signs of potential growth, change maturity, moving towards uh, a sobering up, if you will, uh, of who we are and who we want to be and where we're going and what gives us energy and power to move and then to deal with all these cultural as well as personal struggles that we have. Our text this morning has a lot to do, or this afternoon, has a lot to do with moments like this, moments in our lives when we need to breathe, breathing that brings life and not just any life, the life to the full. In John 10, 10, again, it says, you know, the thief, the systems of the world come to steal and destroy. And yet Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life to the full, not just any life, the full life. And yet we settle for life that feels locked up or locked down and, and not going anywhere, drowning, lives that seem shut off from the world. And deep, deep down, we know that we want life as it was meant to be lived. That's been true throughout humanity, throughout our history in humanity, wanting something more, wanting to know that there's something more to this life than just the, the, the anxiety and the feelings of not going anywhere. We want to come alive. Well, right after Jesus' death on a Roman cross and then subsequent resurrection from the dead, Jesus appears to his disciples. And as we mentioned last week, it's not every day that you see someone raised from the dead. So the disciples were disoriented, lost. They didn't know. They heard all this information, but they didn't know what was going on. There's so many stories. They were a bit overwhelmed and shocked, wondering what was going to happen next. They did know that the folks, uh, the, the Jewish leaders that had crucified Jesus at the time, they were coming after them, too. So the disciples are in a state of fear, locked in a room, afraid of those folks that had crucified Jesus, the Romans, the Jewish leaders. 
and fearful that they would be after them as well. They were literally in a stay-at-home quarantine, self-imposed, out of fear for their lives. They were wondering if there was a light at the end of the tunnel of this fear that they were experiencing. And the uncertainty had to be overwhelming. Not sure what to think about what's going to happen next. And here the room was, was shut. Probably the lives of those disciples were in a state of being shut down from fear. There was probably a war of emotions going on within them. And into this room, this state of anxiety, Jesus appears and has this greeting, peace to you. Now, the word peace in this text is a common word. But in this context, it meant the world, the disciples, they needed peace. They needed what Jesus was giving. They needed peace and they needed presence. And Jesus gave them both. They had to be overwhelmed to seeing Jesus. But Jesus' physical presence at that moment was comforting. And our passage this morning says they rejoiced and they were, they were strengthened by having seen the Lord. So Jesus then gives a charge to those disciples, an imperative command. Just as the Father had sent Jesus to the world, Jesus was now sending the disciples out from behind shut doors into a crazy world desperate for hope. Outside of the four walls that they had confined themselves in, outside of the walls they built within themselves to find the courage to give once again and to not just hope, but to have agency. And then something happens. And I think this is key to them having the energy, the spark to having that agency. Jesus breathed on them. Now, these days, we don't want anybody breathing on us, <laughs> do we? No, Jesus. Um, and just play with it here with me, okay? Jesus had been vaccinated with resurrection, hope, and power. He had been given this relational flow that he lived in, in the relationship of the Godhead, the Trinity, the three-in-one um, beings of the same essence that, 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 that have come together to create, to redeem, to sustain the world. And that Trinity that of three also includes us, a fourth presence, if you will. We are the body of Christ humanity, and we're pulled up into this flow, as the, our Greek Orthodox brothers talk about um, the theosis, that, that we are brought up into communion with God. This is done through the universal presence of Christ that is in all things and all people, and because we are the body of Christ and connected to the embodied, resurrected Jesus, connected to the creating, redeeming force of the Godhead. We are people with divinity living and residing within us. The very power of God resides within you and around you. Our Jewish brothers and sisters have a great concept. You know, God is closer than the air that we breathe. When we are born, we take our first breath and we die. We take our last breath and in between uh, the breath of God is pumping into us. We are constantly breathing in God and breathing out God. God fills the presence between us, whether you're listening anywhere, wherever you are, or listening to the recording later. We are connected. We're one. Now we're different. We're, we have diversity. I have different experiences. I've got the Scottish Welsh background. I'm from Kentucky. Um, you've got your experiences, whatever they are. But we are one. 
So we might as well get on with loving each other because we're stuck with each other forever. There's more to that. That's another story for another day. Well, this word breathe that's in this passage, it's an interesting word. It's the same word that's translated in Genesis 2, 7, where God breathes life into humanity, giving us life. Jesus is in effect saying that he is the son of God, God in the flesh, giving life to the disciples. Jesus was not only bringing peace to the disciples, but breathing pure life into them, pure life into them. The verse goes on to say that Jesus gives another imperative to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus was giving them the very presence of God. Now you can make the argument that the presence of God was always around, was there, but Jesus was, was equipping with them with agency to say, you are vessels of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, the unifying power of God would bring the disciples together in that moment and in subsequent moments down the road, giving them confidence and power that they could go through whatever is in the world, whatever systems that are out there, and that they can overcome them and be a different people live differently i love the the word for spirit in hebrew i've actually got it tattooed on my ankle <laughs> rock it's the same word for wind spirit and breath do you remember the strong winds that rocked our city a few years ago i, I do i remember walking mm -hmm. through my neighborhood and going it's not so bad and i looked up at the top of the trees and i'm like holy cow this is crazy <laughs> because it was just blowing everywhere and then of course we I tilted back to our house and, and the winds the next day to see the damage. Well, God's wind is even stronger than that. And it blows everywhere, filling every space. Sometimes it comes to us overwhelming. Sometimes it comes to us in a gentle breeze, but it's everywhere. It's been with us before time, before history. It was and it will be. It exploded out from the Big Bang and is ever-expanding into the second big bang of Jesus and the third big bang of us being the body of Christ, which I think is demonstrated in this passage, the empowerment of being connected to the presence of Christ, the power of God breathing in and through us. This presence of God exploding out, finding residence in humanity and ultimately fully in Jesus who we're called to follow and to, to follow the model of, of life and not the, I mean, look at the passages in, in the Gospels about Jesus' life. Sometimes, you know, it's like we listen to so many, there's so much crazy stuff out there about how to live as a follower of Jesus. And it's really just wrapped up in the Gospels by following the actions of Jesus and how Jesus loved people well. And it's summarized in the, in the greatest commandment, right? <laughs> love God, love others, nothing else matters. In that sense, that, 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 that love that God demonstrated through Jesus. We're to follow into that. And some of the eyes that we try to dot and T's that we try to cross, God's not interested in those things. God's interested in your character of how well you love and you're committed to one another. So this residence of God, this divine love, power that is demonstrating Jesus, emptying of Jesus' self into humanity. This Jesus breathes out this very power, either literally or metaphorically, to disciples and to the world. The disciples need to breathe in the breath of God, the breath of God that brings life and the power to forgive sins. 
And verse 23 in this passage can seem troublesome at first. Does it mean that we can forgive other sins? No, it's simply an affirmation that as we abide in Christ, as we live in the sense of the presence of God, the spirit of God, that Christ abides in us, as stated in John 15, 4, and the work of the Holy Spirit, which brings the forgiveness brought by Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's actions um, throughout Jesus' life and exhibited on the cross is exhibited through us. It's the power of God at work within us as we recognize God through Christ. In verse 24 of this passage, we see that one of the disciples, uh, Thomas, who wasn't around to see Jesus the first time he appeared in that room. Eight days later, though, they're hanging out and Jesus shows up. Now, it's interesting to note that just a few days earlier, these same disciples, most of them who had been in this room, blessed by Jesus, breathed on by Jesus, um, they were still scared and they were still locked up. They need a little bit more encouragement, I guess. Yet Jesus breaks through the walls again, appears before them somehow, brings a peace blessing, and then addresses Thomas. Thomas wants more tangible evidence. So Jesus gives it to them. Jesus doesn't want to shame Thomas. And this passage isn't here to give reference to Thomas's unbelief. As a matter of fact, I think you should start calling Thomas faithful Thomas or real Thomas or authentic Thomas. Thank God for Thomas. Because in this passage and what he's doing, it shows Again, a resurrected Jesus who's healed, who's embodied, but still has the scars. Friends, we carry around scars, and then we go through healing. But those scars are still there. And Jesus is saying, I'm with you in the scars, and I want you to be with me in my scars. The nail prints are still there. The, 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 the piercing on the side is still there. The Roman soldiers pierced him. And he says to Thomas, put your hands, touch these wounds, feel them. Feel my pain just as I feel yours, your struggle, my struggle together. Goes on to say that this is written down to give us hope for those that can't be like Thomas, for those of us who can believe even without seeing. Well, friends, we may be living in fear and anxiety. We may have witnessed Jesus' very resurrection in our lives. We may have even lived our lives in expectations of, of uh, uh, God's faithfulness to us. Yeah, here's Jesus appearing before us, walking through any barriers that we may be hiding behind, calling us out of the four walls we've enclosed ourselves in giving us himself, breathing new life into us, and calling us towards the next thing, a full life with him. Thomas and the rest of the disciples were living in fear and disappointment. They were tired. Yet Jesus comes to them and comes to us, inviting us to know his scars, to touch the pain that has been inflicted upon him, to believe that he is God and, here, and is here with us now. Friends, with this belief, with this spirit, we can change the, the world that we live in. Even in a state of pandemic, God's spirit will flow through even the thickest of walls that we build or that others build, whatever we're living in. God is coming to us. All right, friends, there you go. Um, and yes, April, great comment. Um, should we see defined protests, yelling, crying as forms of breathing? Yes, gasping for air. 
right, friends. I got to run. I got to go pick up my son. Much love, y'all. Have a great day. Bye now.